Now from the Milken Institute, responding to COVID-19, conversations with Mike Milken. I certainly hope we will have profound conversation, not only about our own lessons or our own challenges, but about the future of humanity. This lockdown focuses our attention to give us the opportunity to have long conversation that otherwise would not have happened. That's Jing Dong Hua. He's the vice president and treasurer of the World Bank. In addition to their usual mission of striving to end extreme global poverty, the World Bank Group has announced it will provide up to $160 billion in financing for COVID-19 over a period of 15 months to help developing countries respond to the health, social, and economic impacts of the pandemic. Mr. Hua spoke with Milken Institute and Faster Cures chairman Mike Milken on Friday, June 12th. Jing Dong, thank you for joining us today. Mike, it's a pleasure really to see you doing well and all the great work you are doing, especially your portal on the COVID-19 on Africa, which is very much needed. I know that is near and dear to your heart. We've built this friendship over the years, trying to figure out how we can create financial experts in emerging countries around the world. I'm so honored we were able to launch the IFC Milken Institute Scholars Program, and I had a chance to visit with them from more than 40 countries in South Africa in February. Before we go any farther, you've left the IFC and joined the parent company, the World Bank. The World Bank's mission is to reduce poverty by providing loans and grants to the poorest countries for the purpose of pursuing capital projects. You have 189 members that are countries, and on an annual basis, you process in transactions $7 trillion every year. This is a huge responsibility without all the other issues that have arisen this year. How have you responded to it? How does it fit in within the World Bank's mission? Let me just say the IC Milking Institute program would not have been possible without your generous support. And together, I think we are nurturing future talents for the world in building sustainable financial system so countries can stand on their own. So great to have you as a champion and a big supporter on that. I'm very proud to be a member of the World Bank because it is indeed in times of crisis, I think we have unique contribution, especially to the most vulnerable countries. Our long-term goal is poverty eradication. The other is what we call build shared prosperity because it's not good enough to lift people just out of poverty because they are very vulnerable to fall back given any crisis, including the current one. We need to make sure the bottom 40% of the world's population are lifted far away from poverty so they share the fruits of development. Of course, with COVID-19, we are facing an unprecedented crisis. The World Bank just published our latest economic forecast. Of course, it's very uncertain depending on how we can contain and mitigate the pandemic. But the base case scenario is that the global economy could shrink by 5.2% in 2020 before rebounding. Now, the downside scenario of prolonged shutdown, world output could contract by almost 8%. Think about it. That's about the combined GDP of France, Italy, and Spain. 
But what's more worrying is for us that the recession is hitting developing countries really hard. We are projecting negative growth for over 150 countries in 2020. So that really is unprecedented. And nearly 80% of the world's informal economy workers, 1.6 billion people, due to the lockdown, they have lost their jobs, of which about 740 million are women in informal employment. So these are really unprecedented crises. So in a very strategic sense, while we do a great job, when market is going well, when we do a pro-cyclical job, that is when private sector investors themselves are interested in going to developing country, we play a catalytical role. It is in this crisis, when flow to poor countries have stopped, we are stepping up. So just to share very quickly, the World Bank in early March, very quickly through our president, David Malpass, working with the board, has authorized us in the next 15 months to deploy $160 billion of assistance to fight the health, social, economic fallout of COVID-19. So let me give you a couple of very uh, concrete examples. Ethiopia is a big country with 100 million people in Africa, and they are doing a great job trying to build their economy, lifting their own people. But of course, this is hitting them really, really hard. We are giving Ethiopia about $80 million to support the purchase of diagnostic equipment and education campaign. Another country which is exactly the same size in population, Bangladesh, we are given $100 million, including test kits and laboratories scaling up so that they can be well prepared. In Haiti, very much a vulnerable country, we are providing $20 million to provide testing equipment and PPE equipment. Overall, Mike, we have now approved 150 projects in over 100 countries. This is truly unprecedented in terms of speed because nobody else is investing in this country, right? And the regular revenue the country rely on, whether it's tourism, commodity revenue, or even remittance. You know, every year, remittance to developing countries over half a trillion dollars. Our estimate is that it will drop by over 20%. That's $100 billion less going to the country just when they need it. So that's why the World Bank Group is really stepping up. We were in South Africa at our medical conference in February. We were quite concerned about the infrastructure in emerging countries around the world, Latin America, Caribbean, Central America, Sub-Saharan Africa, parts of Asia if this virus started to spread. And I think the World Bank has really stepped in here to provide a source of capital for these countries. The World Bank has a good record of being repaid. And many years ago, I hired a number of people from the World Bank come to work with me in the 1970s, particularly in 80s, and had a really strong understanding of what governments had long-term payoffs and which didn't. And Many of these countries have serious issues, as does the development, hurricanes, tornadoes. Let's start with this pandemic, and then we'll go to natural disasters. What have you done so people could buy insurance or protect themselves with risk? We are a AAA-rated bond issuer. When our president wanted us to scale up, the first thing we do is we turn 
to capital market for quick funding. Just to give you a demonstration, since March, when we launched this COVID-19 response, World Bank Treasury has issued about $23 billion of bonds for the IBRD name, and with our largest ever single bond, a five-year, $8 billion US dollar bond, issued with almost 200 investors. And for that, I have to thank the global capital market and the trust in the World Bank. When you think about it, Mike, I don't think a lot of people appreciate this. The World Bank has 189 shareholders. It's a banking entity. And they have given us, over the past 70 odd years, $17 billion of what we call paid-in capital. We have some standby capital where it's the ultimate guarantees of bond investor, but we never want to touch that. Leveraging that $17 billion paid-in capital, the World Bank Treasury, by end of this calendar year, would have issued over a trillion dollar of bonds, of which about 80%, 800 billion, has gone to direct investment in supporting healthcare reform, building infrastructure, renewable energy, addressing global goods. And meanwhile, we have grown. Although we are not profit-oriented, we make a small positive margin. That's required for a AAA entity. These triple A's are an endangered species. (laughs) The United States is no longer triple A. So the World Bank actually has a higher rating than the United States. We primarily issue in dollars. We issue at a treasury plus. That's because it's a sovereign currency. So just to come back to finish this story is that the shareholders paid in capital has been put to good use, leveraged many times. And while we also build up retained earnings. So that 17 billion has grown to be 45 billion. Actually, it would have been more if we had not contributed part of the retained earning to the IDA window so that the poorest country can also benefit. This banking model works because leveraging a capital, small capital base with a gearing ratio, you can tap the vast savings of the global savings. And you mentioned something very important that is catastrophe, natural catastrophe. With the climate change, we have seen increased vulnerability. For example, people look at Asia as a center of global growth, but Asia also receives a large portion of the natural disaster. I was in Singapore before the COVID when the World Bank issued the first cat bond for the Philippines government. The idea is that you can offload the cost of rebuilding after a natural disaster to financial market. And financial market likes it because it is uncorrelated as a class with the rest of fixed income. As long as we can use parametric rigorous data analysis, and fortunately for natural disaster, we have collected about 100 years of solid data. So there is very robust underpinning of this structure. So we also have issued CAD bond for Mexico, for the Pacific Alliance, which is Mexico, Colombia, Peru, and Chile. And we believe this is an important asset class because think about it, when a natural disaster hits, even if a government would have bought the traditional insurance, it probably take five years before the insurance can do the assessment and to have the money dispersed. But a parametric CAT bond will disperse 
within an extremely short period of time, and you don't have to overburden your national budget, which I'm sure at a time of a natural disaster is already overburdened. So I think this is a global innovation. We are working with countries, we'd like to do more of this. When it comes to pandemic, we did issue a pandemic bond three years ago. I'm very happy to share that recently that bond was triggered because the coronavirus was one of the many pathogens that was included in the pandemic bond. And almost $200 million was provided through this bond. And that actually goes to the most vulnerable 60 plus countries. However, we also learned lessons because this was the first ever bond. Although between us and global insurance company, we hired the best medical professionals. We try to use data through Ebola, through, but this is a new field. So we certainly learned a lot of lessons for first pandemic bond. As a treasurer of the World Bank, I do believe financial innovation will introduce new asset classes that ultimately will benefit client countries. Jing Yong, you and I were in the room when the previous president of the World Bank, Jim Kim, told the audience at the Milken Institute Global Conference, he really never appreciated the role of capital markets and access to capital until he got to become head of the World Bank. He got to see the potential and the leverage of what occurred by providing financial capital, not just health and other things to these parts of the world. I think people underestimate during this COVID-19 what an important role the financial markets have played to provide not only billions in capital for the World Bank, but for thousands of companies all over the world. And the issuance of debt is actually at record levels and at lowest interest rates ever. And increasingly more companies are going public today. So you've been able to tap that market. But you've brought your wisdom and creativity to other markets. Mike, as you are one of the foremost innovators in financial market, I think as a World Bank, we can also say that we have done our share. For example, people don't know this. The World Bank and IBM, with the help of Salomon Brothers, entered the first cross-currency swap ever in 1981 between Deutschmark and US dollar. And over time, we actually invested in the green bond. Two years ago, we issued the world's first blockchain bond. We do this innovation not for the sake of the innovation, but to find new solutions. Let's talk about the employees of the World Bank. They are throughout the world, but you're headquartered in Washington, D.C. What has happened during COVID-19? How have you operated over the last three months? Mike, just like you and the financial world, we have all gone virtual. Actually, the start of the pandemic in the United States coincided with the upcoming spring meeting of the World Bank, where all, this is the IMF World Bank Group annual meeting, where all finance minister and central bank governor would come to D.C. to discuss a very urgent development issue. That also has gone virtual. The technology really helped, meaning that although we have all gone virtual through video conference software, through our global communication capability, through a very robust bandwidth, so that we can operate both on the operational side, but much more uh, relieved 
as the treasurer of the World Bank, the financial architecture is working very well. Otherwise, I can't imagine how would we be able to deploy the actual financing to the countries very much in need. So I am very proud to be part of that effort, but also have to thank all the investors who responded really well to the bonds that we have issued since the onset. Look, I mean, in a normal year, we would issue about 50, 60 billion. I think year to date, we are already about 70, 72 billion. So we are really scaling up our bond issuance program. This is very robust technology infrastructure. And I wish that Sub-Saharan Africa would have similar infrastructure that would be enabling them to also cope. Unfortunately, while United States, Europe are facing their problem, at least the central bank, the government have the toolkits to do the things they need to do. And this is where we come in for all the countries that don't have those basic infrastructures. Let's turn our attention to you and your family. I know you had a daughter that graduated college. You had a son that was a freshman in college. They had an unusual year. You have probably had more meals with your children and your wife than any World Bank senior employee would have ever had since you're dealing all over the world. How's your own family adjusting? Thanks for asking. I have to say that looking at my two children, it's not only the epidemic, it's the social affairs that is providing challenges where it dominates our dinner conversation. And I'm very, very happy to see the next generation care about social justice. Two years ago, my daughter actually spent a 10-week internship with a scholarship from her school in Rwanda, where she saw firsthand development and what is a gap, but what is a possibility. So she certainly is very much a champion for Rwanda. I think it's a very unique experience for me, but I don't think it is unique across America, across many, many families, as each family is having this conversation. I certainly hope this is a unique moment where we will have profound conversation, not only about our own blessings or our own challenges, but think of about the future of humanity. I have traveled to over a hundred countries and each country faces unique challenges. There are so many children and women that don't receive enough nutrition. So there are a lot of urgent global issues that we deal with, but this lockdown sort of focuses our attention to give us the opportunity to have long conversation that otherwise would not have happened. The silver lining in a global challenge we face. So I certainly enjoy every moment I have with my children. Well, Jing Dong, I have enjoyed our conversations over the years. And I think both of us have been dedicated to the issue that everyone on this planet should have a chance at, quote, the American dream, an opportunity to succeed based on their ability. And I look forward to our continuing relationship. Good health to you and your family. Thank you. I wish you family and the Milken Institute colleagues safe and healthy, and hopefully I'll see you very soon. Find more episodes on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or milkeninstitute.org slash podcast, where you'll also find the latest COVID-19 updates. Until next time, stay safe and healthy.